Gonzaga Nation SI continues bringing the coverage of all Gonzaga Gonzaga content, whether it's Gonzaga-based or whether it's future and upcoming opponents. Today's, we're going to focus on the opponent for what's supposed to be Thursday. Unfortunately, as we record this on Monday, just got the news that this game is postponed again due to COVID. USF Don's radio play-by-play man pat olson pat thanks for joining um some disappointing news that this game isn't going to be played this week how are you taking it well uh yeah i guess it kind of just goes on and on i know in the first weekend of west coast conference play the entire men's and women's slate was wiped out by covid 17 combined games so as we now head into week two i guess it's not looking good hopefully this will pass through and uh Everybody can get back to playing basketball because I know USF is anxious to play. I'm certainly Mark Few and Gonzaga are ready to get going again. Yeah, you're right. Every single game, the West Coast Conference men's and women's slate was postponed. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how those games get rescheduled. In particular, this game that you and I were going to talk about is one that I was really excited Mm and interested to call on the TV side because – USF's off to a tremendous start, 13-1. and one. I believe the last time I checked, 32 or 34 in the net, uh, about that same number in the Ken Palm. You guys are having a tremendous year. What do you attribute that to? Well, I think the, the fifth-year senior rule, USF has gotten old, mature. You know, a guy like Jamari Bouye, without being able to come back for a fifth year, he's gone from the program. Uh, the Dons get a, a transfer, an immediate starting center in Yalian Misalski, who comes from within the conference from San Diego. He's not part of this team without that additional year. So I think that additional year has helped a lot of the you know non-Power 5 schools because they've had that ability to keep guys. You know, the, 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 the high majors, the Power 5 conferences – have tended to see those guys graduate and jump off to the NBA or a pro career. And so, you know, it's a, it's a mature team. It has, you know, a lot of the elements uh, with a strong backcourt, a very good three-point shooting team, a deep club. I think the depth has proven to be a big part of uh, the success of USF to this point at 13-1. and one. You're obviously an insider to the USF program. I'm, I'm sure you get a chance to to talk extensively with Coach Golden. Do you get the sense that this is a bit of a surprise, even to the coaching staff, that they're at, sitting at 13 and one? You know, I don't know. In all honesty, that they anticipated being 13 and one, but they felt they had a good group. You know, when they when they sat together, you know, in October when they made their you know summer recruits, and they they did get some guys on that fifth-year senior plan, like Patrick Tappé, who comes in from Duke. So they seem to fill a lot of the holes. And Jamari Bouye has made it very clear the reason he came back, two reasons. One, Coach Golden, who you just alluded to, the relationship there. But really, more importantly, I think for JB, the opportunity to play in March Madness. They've made that a a clear goal from the get-go. They felt they had the kind of team – while maybe no one predicted 13 and one, I think they thought they had the kind of club that could be a strong net team. They had put together the right kind of schedule with teams like Davidson on the road at Arizona State, uh, UAB, the Blazers, a top 50 team, Fresno State, a good, a good game to have on the schedule. They felt if they could get some of those games, you know, Coach Golden's an analytics guy, 
that they had an opportunity this year. I think that to, to be an NCAA tournament team, I don't think is a big shock or a surprise to them at this point. Maybe 13-1 and one, a little bit better than Summit had, Summit had anticipated. But still, I don't think it's beyond the realm where they're at right now. I think they expected that they had a pretty good club. I did when I saw the roster in the summer. I had high hopes. You know, at first I thought, oh boy, if Jamari Bouye leaves, this could be a long year. And it went the it flipped the other way. Bouye stayed, and then suddenly Masalski, you know, signs on. And I'm like, holy cow, this team has gone from maybe being a sixth, seventh place team to suddenly being able to contend for second. And that's been exciting. It's been an exciting year to this point. Yeah, I've been a fan of Bouye's game over the last couple of years. I think he's a, a tremendously skilled guard. Um, who is a little more athletic than I think he gets credit for, at least nationally. Um, Where have you seen the biggest growth in his game this year? I'm guessing from an outsider's perspective, it might be that leadership and take charge role. Um, What do you see? Well, I think the the biggest step up this year is he's become more of a dangerous three-point shooter. He's been athletic, as you allude to, and the athleticism, I think is not as nationally known. Those in the West Coast Conference know who he is. And there was a, a highlight from a play against Fresno State that went around TikTok or one of the social media sites where he came up and did this shoulder move. And the Fresno State guard who was guarding him, a pretty good defender, he just fell like he dropped to the floor. And he made the guy look like, you know, like you know, with all due respect, he made it look like he was clearly a level above. And, and that's him athletically. But I think the improvement this year has been his ability to make not just the three-point shot, but the step-back three, the three in transition where he's dribbling up and there's no one underneath the basket and he pulls up and he starts walking backwards. You know the shot's gone down. I mean, his three-point percentage this year has been in the mid-40s. He's been around 43, 44, 45%. You know, he's had some he's had five games this year where he's, he's made four three pointers in a game. And so I think that's a, a, a kind of a, a step up for him. You know, he, he's an interesting young man because he was not highly touted coming out of high school. I think USF was his only division one ride offer. And he's been really loyal to that. Here's a guy that could have last year jumped. He could have grabbed his fifth year somewhere else. He was holding his degree, could have allegedly showcased himself right and we've seen some instances where that hasn't worked out for young players I think he made the right decision he's in a top 40 program at least to this point right and he's going to get himself showcased hopefully this game will get rescheduled when he plays Gonzaga twice you know and in you know that'll get some national attention right especially if he has a good game and one of the two matchups when he gets a couple cracks at St. Mary's BYU, our league, because of, you know, Gonzaga, because of Mark few, really, I feel the whole league is elevated. It's gotten better. And Gonzaga gets a lot of credit for that. And USF is a, a case of a team that's improved itself to try and get up in that conversation with Gonzaga, BYU, St. Mary's and J- Jamari Bouye has had a lot to do with that. But I think this year in particular, yes, his leadership, but, you know, the Steph Curry dagger three has become a big part of his game. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely fun to watch him play this year. He's one of the kind of the underrated sleepers that I think is, if USF continues to play well, will gain some more national attention. 
But Todd Golden in his third year um, is doing a tremendous job. He was a, an interesting story to keep an eye on a couple of years ago because he was the youngest head coach uh, in Division One when he took over. Um, you mentioned his his focus on analytics, and a lot of that is due to his work with Kyle Smith, who's now at Washington State. Where do you see the biggest growth in, in Todd Golden as a coach in three years? I think, you know, the, the biggest growth is, is certainly game preparation. You know, I think even he would admit, you know, that in the, in the first year, you know, he came on the postgame show because he does the pregame with me before every ball game, And then afterwards he comes on every postgame. And we also do a weekly get together, a once a week radio show that he was quite honest in saying I could use some growth here, growth there. But I, you know, I think that he, he's put together an excellent staff, you know, Chris Gerlifson, who came in from the University of Hawaii, where you know he'd been like the associate head coach. He's the associate head coach now, uh, big time recruiter. I think he has the right elements around him, but I think he certainly is because I think his relationship with the players is a big part of why he was retained. I think that if when Kyle Smith, you mentioned him going to Washington State, when that happened, the job was open. It went to Coach Golden, young guy, as you alluded to, right? Not a lot of experience, certainly. However, I think if he had if he had not been given the job and he had left, you would have seen a mass exodus of USF players off the roster. I think him staying stabilized the program, and I think we have certainly seen the growth of him as a, an in-game coach, a halftime adjustment coach, uh, those sorts of things, because the analytics has always been there. He's huge on analytics, as you alluded to. Well, Pat, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your time. Unfortunately, the game won't be played this week. Uh, fingers crossed it gets rescheduled, and, and hopefully we will connect again when Gonzaga is about to take on USF down in one of my favorite gyms in college basketball. So thanks again for joining. Uh, good to see you, and we'll look forward to seeing you down the line.